Hi everyone, before we get started with this episode, I want to give you all a way to be supportive and help the people of Puerto Rico, who as you know, have recently been absolutely devastated by Hurricane Fiona. If you visit vicaryandco.com slash help Puerto Rico, you will be redirected to an NPR link that shows several different organizations who are on the ground, making a difference, saving lives and helping people on the island. Again, that's vicaryandco.com slash help Puerto Rico. You'll have access to finding this information, and I do urge you to go and do what you can to support these folks in need. Resilient, expansive, and unstoppable. Hi, everybody. This is Heather Vickery. Welcome back to the Brave Files podcast. I'm curious, how many of you feel like you often do not know what the hell you're doing And yet, somehow, you're out there magically making shit happen and slowly but surely making your dreams come true. Or maybe you're not, but you would really like to figure out how to do that. Well, today's guest, Ashley Crouch, knows exactly how that feels. Ashley always dreamed of living overseas, and she knows the power of learning from other cultures. So when the pandemic hit, and the opportunity to take your show on the road shut down for almost everyone, Ashley decided to embrace it. She's here to share her desire to live on the outer layers of expansion and tell you and me how she embraced this wild opportunity in this crazy time in the world and really how she moves through and continues to be successful even though she doesn't have any idea what she's doing most of the time. It's a fantastic conversation. I'm super excited to share it with you. And one more thing. If you are inspired by this episode or any of my free content, I invite you to support this work by buying me a coffee. Okay, it's a metaphorical coffee. And really, I prefer an iced matcha with oat milk and lavender syrup. Okay, all joking aside, this work is really heart-centered. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money to bring you all of this incredible content in the podcast, the newsletter, and my weekly live show, Brave in Action. If you would like to say thank you and let me know that you appreciate the work I'm putting out there, you can support me by buying me a metaphorical coffee. All you have to do is visit vicaryandco.com slash say thanks, and you can chip in as little or as much as you want, and I would be forever grateful. Anyone who does buy me a coffee is going to get a little love and a shout out either in the newsletter, the podcast, or the live show. So be sure to tune in in all of those places so you can hear me sing your praises. All right, folks, let's meet Ashley. You're listening to The Brave Files, where we share stories from people who've stepped out of fear and into bravery in every possible way. What we know for sure is that when we choose bravely, on purpose, we choose bigger, we win bigger, and it's contagious. It's our hope that these stories connect with you and encourage you to embrace bravery in every possible way, day after day. Together, we can build a movement that enriches both our lives and our communities. The Brave Files is brought to you by Vickery & Co., a success and leadership coaching firm dedicated to helping you build a life and a business that you are absolutely in love with. Vickery & Co. offers group programs, membership communities, one-on-one coaching, VIP days, corporate trainings, workshops, keynote speaking, and so much more. Visit vickeryandco.com 
to get all the details. You know, folks, sometimes bravery shows up in the most unexpected ways and circumstances. You know, like discovering you want to take your business on the road because of a global pandemic. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Krausch. She is the founder of Appleseed Communications, an award-winning PR and media company and a friend. She's also just packed up her whole life and her business and moved to Puerto Rico to live a completely different existence than she had before. She's been featured on some pretty incredible sites and organizations, entrepreneur.com, Forbes, New York Times, Business Insider, Fast Company, Time.com, Huffington. But holy shit, this list just goes on and on and on, Ashley. <laughs> She's got a number one international selling book called Unknown to Unforgettable, How to Stop Playing Small, Land National Media Attention, and Position Yourself as a Power Player. She is full of charm and really beautiful energy. And she doesn't do podcast interviews very often. So I feel really honored. Ashley, welcome to The Brave Files. Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm excited <laughs> for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. No, I'm laughing and folks listening are like, what is so funny? And I will tell you, Ashley and I have been trying to do this interview for weeks <laughs> and especially today because every tech thing that could go wrong has. Yeah. And we're joking like, okay, what vortex are we opening up by having this conversation? <laughs> but we are damn determined to do it. Let's do it. So Ashley, I invited you here. We reconnected. Um, we've known each other for several years now and we reconnected a couple of months ago, and you shared some kind of really exciting news. You decided to pick up your life, which was in California, right? Mm -hmm. And move to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And while you have this incredible resume, and we talked about it, and Ash is like, uh, yeah, the PR, that's my job. I get it. <laughs> um, it's still a really big deal. And I would love, I just think this whole global idea of you can do your work from lots of places that you don't have to be tied down is so brave and so inspiring. And I wanted to just chat with you about what brought that to the forefront for you, what that's been like, and maybe we can, you know, help inspire some folks to just give it a go. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. The way you described it to me, or at least the way I perceived it was that the pandemic opened up your mind in ways that you had not anticipated, like your life didn't have to look a certain way. Can you can you speak to that? Yeah, I've been on this journey over the past couple of years, as we all have, of exploring the outer edges of how I can remain wholehearted during this time mm. of a lot of volatility and uncertainty, and also uh, how I can continue to grow amidst ever-changing parameters and boundaries and restrictions. And I think to your point about the brave files, one thing that helps me feel really brave is um, every time I creatively expand instead of shrink. And mm. what was happening during the time in, this, in the world was everyone was saying, stay home. Uh, you know, we're all looking at each other with the slightest sniffle was sending us into suspicion that, you know, we would be ill or contagious. And I felt that it was a time of great contraction um, for the planet. And the way that I wanted to be the solution was to expand. And so mm. one thing that has been a dream of mine for years was to live overseas for three to six months in order to immerse myself in the cultures and flavors and the lessons that other people could teach me. And 
at the time of, uh, Jan, I think it was January, 2021, we had all already gone through about nine months of this experiment of, of, um, social distancing and lockdowns and everyone was working virtually. My company is virtual anyway, by virtue of its design. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the flight map of the world. And at the time, the USA was actually restricted from going to the more popular countries like France or like <laughs> Spain, the normal countries that people want to go to. The only country that was open was Montenegro and it was green. Oh. It was a gr little green dot in the midst of all this red. And so uh, I told my partner, uh, I think we should go there. I don't think we should wait. I think we need to start the traveling now. And he expressed some hesitation <laughs> that, <laughs> that, you know, this is eight time zones over. Uh, the entire map is red to the USA right now. What are we thinking? And I just felt in my gut this conviction that we really needed to step out into the unknown. And so uh, we bought these one-way tickets and we thought that we'll be there for two weeks and we'll see how it goes. And that opened up 12 months of travel and 15 countries where wow. <laughs> we lived in Montenegro, Croatia, Austria, France. I began having business meetings in Monaco, Dubai, and really all over. And in that time, the leaning into the unknown and opening myself into letting go of the how this is going to work and more about mm. the fact that it is working and one step at a time really transformed how I moved through the world. And looking back one year later, being here in Puerto Rico, it feels like I have a whole new paradigm for how I approach business and business partnerships and life and just even myself in general. That's amazing. I'm I'm about trusting that gut instinct. It was a scary time to travel, but if you know, we're a little witchy, if you've <laughs> got that inner knowing and so you're like this feels right. How did that Well, there's I have two questions and I want to ask them so I don't forget them. But the first one is how did making that decision to go to Montenegro open you up to all of these other countries and it may just be because traveling not from the U.S. made it easier. I don't know. But also then when you talk about that paradigm shift, I'd love to dig in more on on what that actually is um, and how it has, has shifted you. Mm, yeah. So tactically speaking, um, tactically speaking, <laughs> going to Montenegro, we showed up. First of all, we get to the airport and we find out that we don't have the appropriate paperwork because we didn't get the correct tests. And it was this whole thing that the tests we had received weren't the correct ones. So then we were delayed in the Houston International Airport for 24 hours. We made that a whole adventure to see the city. Um, and we questioned whether or not this was actually a good, good idea and whether we were challenging everything about what is conventional. Like people were shocked that we were doing this and we were the first Americans that people had seen overseas for a year. <laughs> like people were, people were looking at us like yeah. we had escaped from something and somehow <laughs> <laughs> made it out, out here. And so it, it from a tactical perspective, it really was a huge leap of faith. We had to have all our documents in order. Once we got into Montenegro, we were in the Balkans. They really didn't speak English at all. There were curfews. There were uh, checkpoints in between mm -hmm. counties. You couldn't go to other counties uh, after 10 p.m. They were checking why you were 
on the streets at all. And But at the same time, being at the gateway of the EU Schengen countries, it was easier to go in um, yeah. via train and car than from plane. So we stayed on land and we stayed on the landlocked route to go into these other countries and we explored castles and we explored uh, so many things like incredible cuisine. And we had it pretty much all to ourselves because there were no tourists at all. The streets were completely empty. Many of them had just opened the restaurants like a week before. And so they were thrilled to have some sort of business. And they were very candid with us about what they had experienced throughout their their time um, in this season of, you know, feeling so restricted and feeling like they wanted to get back on their feet, especially the small businesses. There weren't a lot of, they're not a lot of food yeah. chains and things. So the small businesses were just so thrilled to sure. feel a sense of normalcy again. And that was fun to be a part of. Were you worried at all about your own health? Not safety, not physical safety, but the virus? Um, yes and no. It was, <laughs> I recognize that it was a big, <laughs> I recognize it was, had some element of risk. But at the yeah. same time, I felt like if I'm living in alignment with how I want to move through the world, regardless of external circumstances, then I feel that I'm in alignment with my values, regardless of what happens. So if I do become ill, you know, hopefully not, but if that happened, then I would know that I'd be living life how I would like to live, regardless, and being adventurous and um, being open hearted. And luckily, mm. I we were, you know, knock on wood, stayed healthy the entire time. We did not have any yeah. issues and we took the necessary protocol in terms of the uh, documentation across borders and things like that. Um, yeah. But it wound up working out really, really well. And it was, it was, um, it was very eye opening to have a bird's eye view with regard to how all of the countries collectively were navigating that this, um, you know, and, and navigating this in different ways for themselves, but also how um, how America was perceived, which is probably a whole other issue, oh. but how America mm -hmm. was perceived through the entire um, time and the political transitions that were occurring at that time. And so that also gave me a lot of humility and a lot of reverence for how the difference of perspective that we, yeah. we encountered um, in these other countries that maybe I just was blind to before staying in America. I think that it, there's so much to that. I was just telling you right before we started, and I've been telling folks, um, I am taking my daughter to Paris next week. Now, when this airs, this will have been a couple of months ago, but <laughs> um, it's one of the things that's really important to me is to get them out of the world. Look, I get it. Paris is bougie, and we're fucking excited. Yes. But travel <laughs> across the board is the best education we can have. And it's for what you just said, to get out of the circle that you live in, to pull off the blinders and see what life is like for other people, to experience those cultures, to learn from them. Um, I have seen travel change so many different people's lives mm -hmm. from super religious, mm -hmm. you know, I know the way, everything is right, mm -hmm. to, oh my God, like there are people like, we don't even know what poor is like in this country. Mm -hmm. When you go to some of those other countries, you know, it's just amazing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I love, I love this notion of trusting, doing the right thing, being safe, following protocols, but trusting your instincts and just seeing what shows up for you. Mm -hmm. What surprised you in these adventures? Mm. What surprised me was how different I felt in certain countries. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll explain. For example, in the toward the latter half of the travels, we started expanding outside of Europe, which is used to tourists, and we started going to the outer edges. At one point, we flew through Kiev. Um, at one point, we were um, in Georgia, which is the border of Russia, and we actually drove to the Russian border. There was total calm wow. at that time, and because and. You, we, we've spent time together. So, you know, that I'm about six feet tall and blonde. And so, yes, in, in, <laughs> <And gorgeous. laughs> thank you. But in certain cultures, I was expected to be Russian and in certain mm. cultures, I was expected to be German and to know the language and all the protocols and customs regarding those countries. But when I was in Dubai, I was invited there to uh, speak at a family office summit about philanthropy and to do media interviews. And it was so interesting, Heather, because it was a business event for my company. We were staying at the Waldorf Astoria on the water and my company paid for it, booked the room. I was the speaker invited. And as soon as we pulled up, they asked for my boyfriend's name. And when I gave them my credit card, they gave the card back to him and barely looked at me at all. Maybe as a sign of reverence, I'm not sure, but it was so noticeable to me that it was a culture where women are not expected to be seen. And, uh, And also where my perception was that women were not expected to have resources to provide something like the Waldorf Astoria for themselves. And Uh, and hire a team to be at their beck and call, which is what was (laughs) happening. And so that made me feel really different just as in this body as a woman, but then secondarily living in South America, being in this body, I felt so, so uh, just different, like perceived differently, treated differently, automatically making, made assumptions about Um, Mm. how I see the world just because of how I look and what the community that I was a part of thought about Americans. And so it gave me a lot of empathy and really made me want to be a bridge of understanding that we do walk in stereotypes. And I think right now in the world, we need these bridges of empathy and we need this humility to just observe and listen and but also try to speak the truth of the situation when we can. So for example, in Dubai, I alerted them after this happened a number of times that it was my card and my booking. (laughs) And so then that was just a micro moment where I felt like, let me alert them of the situation, not make assumptions. Maybe they don't know, but let me alert them. And these little teachable moments, but also deferential to what lessons they might be teaching me as well. How did they respond when you said, I just want to make sure you know it's my card. It's my company. It's my money. It's not his. <laughs> um, as I recall, it was a little bit of, of oh, of, co- of course, of course. And sort of a, sort of <laughs> <The> a, <Walter. laughs> go, uh, like very respectful, you know, they're trained in high level of courtesy and hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving forward, I think it did improve, but it was sort of that first week of like, huh, this is really, this is really different, really interesting. And Dubai is, supposed to be, I would say, a little more progressive in that sense. And so, but still, I could feel the difference than what we would experience in America. Absolutely. 
You touched on something that I know is game-changing, which is for quite possibly the first time in your life being the one that was othered. Yeah. Because you are tall and beautiful and white and I don't, not living in, you know, not super poor, whatever your financial status is, doesn't matter. You've had that privilege. Yeah. But to go somewhere where people make those assumptions, some of those assumptions might have been right. I'm sure lots of them, most of them were very incorrect. But then you were the different one. Mm -hmm. And it changes how we connect with and support those minorities, those that are othered Mm -hmm. moving forward. How has that informed you? Uh, Well, now living in Puerto Rico, I feel a lot of appreciation for this culture in a way that, from what I've heard, people come here and they're straight from America and Mm. they place all of their um, American paradigms onto this island and onto this Caribbean culture. And um, having lived in Mexico for about two months before this and then Ecuador for, um, for about two months before that, spending the first four months in South America and Latin American countries, being here, I feel so much appreciation for the culture mm. and the difference and the fact that it's not over touristy and the efforts that they're making to keep their culture intact, despite everything. Despite. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people with a lot of money that are trying to change that yes. in Puerto Rico. Yes, it's true. And, um, and I do feel that. I can sense it a bit of the the fear regarding colonialism. Um, I would say I'm probably the problem. I'm part of the problem um, coming here. Um, but I want to, I want to be respectful and I want, yeah. you know, I, I haven't bought a huge mansion. <laughs> I'm living in, you know, yeah. with the locals and um, I don't have a car. I'm not, I'm very much trying to integrate into the, yeah. the culture while also continuing to run the business, which is a global business at this point. So it is a dance. Yeah. Yeah, it is a dance. But also, I mean, I, I don't know. I can appreciate that you're like, maybe I'm part of the problem, but you're not there to erase. No. You're there to enlighten and support and uh, remember and honor. And that's, I just think that's amazing. You you did all these amazing travels. You had all these incredible experiences. And I mean, just businesswoman to businesswoman, sometime I'd love to hear how you go on these vacations and then end up in Dubai speaking at this amazing <laughs> conference. Like I just, you're, you're incredible with all of that. Did you come back to the States or, or how did you land in Puerto Rico permanently? Uh, sure. So how it all happened was that after eight months, we decided we wanted to stay for the full year and um, tactically and strategically, that was due to various tax codes where if you're out of the country for 330 days a year, then you have special um, tax exemptions, which we discovered along the way. And uh, it's just been this onion of kind of like realizing um, how to move strategically. So we were Mm -hmm. overseas anyway. And so we decided to stay the full year. And um, but we wanted to see Latin America. And then after being in um, after being in Ecuador and Mexico, we were very open to the idea of Puerto Rico because it is um, very Spanish culture. But also Mm -hmm. we wanted to have a few more of the American amenities (laughs) than um, some of the other cultures that we had been a part of. And so Puerto Rico felt like a really good blend. But also um, we are taking, we are taking, we're being mindful about the way that we're stewards of our resources and, Mm -hmm. uh, Puerto Rico offers, uh, various bonuses regarding that. And so, um, being here 
opened up the avenue for us to contribute and invest and um, expand the business in ways that felt really aligned for us for the next um, two to three years at least. And so that's how we chose, um, that's how we chose Puerto Rico, candidly. I love that. And I love this notion of being mindful about how you steward your resources. Mm. It's, gosh, if more people just did that, I feel like <laughs> there would be so many fewer problems. We would still have a lot because <laughs> America is on fire. But whatever. <laughs> um, I'm curious just for one second to talk about what it's like to run your high profile, very successful business I mean, from wherever, from wherever you are, did anything change? I know you were already remote, yeah. but did anything change or did you have to shift anything to, to make that work well? So here's the honest truth, Heather. There are so many moments that I don't know how to do what I do. That's just the mm. honest truth. And the way I grew up was I was born in Texas in a very large city. I was born in San Antonio, but then my dad built a business and retired and moved us to a very small town, basically a farm in Arkansas. And so from those social developmental years of being a teen, I couldn't, I lived in the woods. We had a hundred chickens. I couldn't see my neighbors. And all I knew was that I wanted to live on the outer edges of expansion, whatever that looked like. And I think to your point, it's a step-by-step layer, uh, layer by layer revelation of, of learning. How do I do this in this moment? And so that's what kind of guides me. And so I'm, every time I step outside of this blueprint of, what I was taught women could be, do, or have, I feel a lot of anxiety. And so I'm, I've been constantly kind of learning to live with that anxiety and recognizing that that's my outer edge of my current paradigm or my current parameter of what I think is possible for me. So as long as I'm feeling that, <laughs> feeling that level mm-hmm. of anxiety, then I feel like at least I'm on the pathway. And so over the time of launching the business and it's a virtual company and then navigating the pandemic and having the client load really go from exponential to zero in a matter of 30 days, like so many people did. It it required me to do a lot of learning about, okay, but how do I do this right now in this climate? And so I'm a big proponent of doing what you say you're going to do and then committing to that and at least following through on that and then learning, iterating, and moving to the next step. So when we went to Montenegro, there were issues with the internet. Or when we were in Georgia, we were, I think, 13 hours time zone away. And um, there were times Mm -hmm. that I said, I will be getting you this document by end of day, which I knew was 3am my time. (laughs) But, and my partner can attest to this, there were times that (laughs) I was signing off on a document or or on a team call, or on an opening strategy call with a client at midnight, or 1am or 3am, because I made a choice that they were not responsible for to be awake at that hour on this time zone. And so that was kind of the learning process too of, okay, what is, you know, what am I learning now that I'm 13, 13 hours time zone difference? Um, I'm learning that this is actually a challenging choice that I made and I should move to a, to a closer time zone. Or um, I'm learning that how bad do I want to grow the business? Well, this partnership or this client deal is a huge opportunity and it's 3 a.m. and I'm exhausted, Mm -hmm. but I want this. This is what I want. So I have to take ownership to actually follow through with what I said to give it the best chance of success. And it was that step-by-step process of learning how to do it in this world and in this time zone and in this place, even if conditions were not ideal, still giving it the best chance of success in the end. I love all of that. I really do. Um, you've you've made this commitment. You've grown this business. 
it, you're a magician. I was like to, somebody said this to me once and I like to you forward it. You thought of something that didn't exist and you created it and now it's a reality and that's <laughs> fucking magic. It is magic. It's so cool. <laughs> it is. It's so cool. And yeah, I mean, I think if the majority of your clients are on a U.S. time zone, then you have to make that work the way that it works. And I really appreciate this. Um, I made these decisions. They didn't make them for me. And so we got to work with what we got here. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. I, there's so much more that I wish we had more time to get into. Really quickly, you're not new to supporting uh, women business owners in resource-poor nations. That's a, mm. a element of your company that I think is so fantastic. Can you share a little bit about what that is, how that came about, and why it's important to you? Yeah, it's it's really close to my heart because I wanted I wanted my business to be a vehicle for social change, and part mm-hmm. of the way that I decided to do that is through the vehicle of a for profit company instead of going into a nonprofit sector or yeah. um, or even pursuing a career in, in the philanthropic sector, which is a possibility. And so, because I have this for profit company, I wanted to allocate a micro loans for every client that we served, and this came about through a dream session about five years ago and thought about what if this company could further support other women instead of just the women that we have as clients that we get featured in national media outlets or TV, how can we do that financially? And so we started the seed fund project um, and I did it in partnership with Kiva because they have a vetting process for all their applicants and they provide mentorship to ensure that it's sustainable. And um, and we we I did a lot of searching and, and vetting different organizations and Kiva seemed like the best opportunity at the time. And so now um, it's just so exciting. We I facilitated another microloan today. Um, the Yay. the women are doing so amazing. They're they're women in in 24 countries and um, Sierra Leone and um, Tajik. Pakistan and Kenya and Philippines. And I get so excited about it because I see them like even the smallest amount goes so far, especially being in these, in these countries where it's like, gosh, you know, $150 is life-changing. $250 is life-changing. So, um, they're paying back their loans and, and doing, and asking for repeat loans and growing their business and sending their kids to college for the first time. And, uh, it's just so meaningful that even when we're excited about our business growing, that we can help other businesses grow as well. And they're just rocking it. I love that so much. I think it's so cool. And I really love that it's this micro loan concept. We love Kiva. Side note, my nine-year-old and I, that's a thing that we do together. No she's way. Like, Mama. She's like, can we just, can we go look on Kiva and see if anybody's repaid their loans or if we can support another loan? And we scroll through and, and she kind of gets to pick the ones that resonate with her and, and we just keep reinvesting. Oh and, my and gosh, we, that's awesome doing those loans. Yeah. I, so, I mean, because that's such an empowering position for those folks who get those loans, Yeah. right? They're working their asses off. Nobody's giving them a handout. Nobody's doing that. Not that no. they don't deserve that, to be fair, but, you know, I think there's a lot of pride in repaying those loans and building up that yes. equity. And so <laughs> yes. I think that's such a, um, a lovely segue because there's so much to celebrate there. Oh. And I want to be mindful of the time. We got started a little late here because of all of our tech issues. And I'm sorry, folks, because maybe we'll have Ashley back again if y'all want to talk to her about more. <laughs> uh, but how do you like to celebrate success and wins in your life and your business? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I'm sort of bad at this because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of bad at this because 
for, on the one hand, like, are you familiar with Myers-Briggs? Yes. Okay. I'd be so curious to hear what your Myers-Briggs is. Can you tell me? What do you, what do you think it is? Okay. I think, okay. I'm going to guess. Um, I think that you are <laughs> I-N either T or F J. Yeah. INFJ. Seriously. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I did not know that, but I'm just yeah. guessing. Um, <laughs> that's so cool. Okay. So I'm ENFP naturally, which means that my natural state is to be very distractible, very spontaneous, um, having difficulty following through. I know what my natural state is and I'm working constantly to change it. So natural, so naturally having that starting point, I've trained myself so far to the extreme that like anytime there's a win, I'm just like, we got more to do. We got to go, we got to crank. And I, and I don't let myself have these wins. So it's been this bit of a challenge, which actually my partner helps me with because he's very like lighthearted. Um, but we had this idea to incentivize the habits that we want to cultivate so that can be working out every day. That can be drinking 70 ounces of water, which I'm notoriously bad at. Um, <laughs> or that can be um, hitting a certain client goal or microloan goal or whatever it is, financial goal. Yeah. So we call it gamifying your goals. And, um, and we have certain benchmarks. So if we, it, like, if I, I have a 90-day challenge going right now where <laughs> if um, – where I'm doing uh, like certain things, like I'm doing affirmations every day. Um, and I'm, I have certain touch points and certain KPIs that I have to do inside the business. And then I'm going to do a before and after. So before um, getting started, here's where I'm at. And then in 90 days, here's where I'm at. So let's see what ground was gained. And then if I hit my goal, I will have a certain reward. So the reward will be like, I really want to go paragliding here in the Caribbean. That's something that uh -huh. I haven't done. And I'm like, okay, if I hit this goal, I'm going to do it or, yeah. or actually I really want to go stay at this certain hotel. And so I want to take myself on a little mini vacation to, if, if the certain goals are met. So we call it gamifying your goals, but I don't know if that's really celebrating. I think it is. Does that, is that celebrating? Sure. It's a version of celebration. I'm all for gamifying and I love rewards. I, I talk to all of my clients about making sure they build in rewards because they really do work. But, you know, just put a, a interesting spin on it. When you book a new client, you make a new microloan. Yeah. To me, that's a form of celebration. Oh. You're celebrating this new client mm. by supporting someone else. Mm. I wonder if you might have other things you do that you don't recognize. When you book a big client, when you have a big speaking gig, when you've just had a great day, is there anything? And sometimes we just don't realize it that you do. You're like, oh this is so good. I'm going to go for a walk mm. or I'm going to sit here and meditate or now I'm going to let myself read. Mm. And those things are forms of celebration, which we don't often acknowledge. And mm. the reason I ask this question and have these conversations with folks is because just like bravery, mm. celebration begets more celebration. Mm. And the more you do it, the higher your vibration goes, the more you find to celebrate and it's contagious. Mm. This is a teachable moment for me. <laughs> Yeah, I really appreciate that because I think that I think I want to um, practice that upward spiral even more and more. And I definitely think there's a lot of room for improvement around that. I I need to like I need to or I would like to enjoy just savoring more yes. than I do, and savoring more than 
the performance energy of output, productivity, metrics, (laughs) data-driven. Savoring sounds really life-giving. Oh, I like that. Maybe that's what we'll call the episode, something around savoring. Because to me, your choices, the whole reason I brought you here, this decision to travel in the midst of a global pandemic and to uproot your life and move is about savoring experiences hmm. um, and l- living fully, right? You're savoring your life, whether you you really know it or not. Hmm, that's so good. You're so good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. I did not pull that together. Uh, that's what I'm here for. I see it from a totally different perspective yeah. than you do. Uh, and I love it. And that's, you know, when I invited you to be on the show, you're like, but I don't really have anything that, like, why? And this is why, because I see that. And I'm so grateful that you took the time to be here and share that. Can you tell us what your favorite charitable organization is to support? The, my favorite charitable organization mm, at the moment is Kiva because of our partnership with them and mm-hmm. all the work we're doing with them for so long. I can see meaningful change there happening. So, yeah, that's my first one. Okay. Yeah, I love, I love Kiva. So that's awesome. They will be our charity of the week. And we'll oh, give great. them lots of love and we'll, we'll tag them and hopefully we can share with that. Would you share your three words with us one last time, Ashley? Sure. My three words are resilient, expansive, and unstoppable. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I mean, those were, you, you totally embody everything about that. Sometimes we get to the end of the episode, the end of the conversation, and I have to go, tell me why you picked that word, but oh. it's so clear and and you used the word expand and expansive so many times and in so many really magical ways. I can't wait to go back and re-listen because mm. there were teachable moments for me in this conversation also mm. where I felt like, you know, that's, I have the brave method and the E is expand mm. and empower and expansion is internal work. It is. It is. And I love all of the ways that you shared your expansiveness so that we can maybe see some of that um, as, a, as more of a possibility for Aww. ourselves. Thank, Thank you, you for seeing me, Heather. I really appreciate that. I feel so seen. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm so, I'm so grateful. Can't wait to share this with everyone and to continue to watch um, all the amazing things that you do. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. What a joy. What a treat. Listen to it and then listen to it again and let us know how you're inspired and what shows up for you. You can connect with me directly. You can email me, heather at vickerinco.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the Brave Files Podcast. I can't wait to hear what you are up to and how you're out choosing bravely. For now, this is Heather Vickery reminding you today and every day to go out and choose bravely. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to The Brave Files, stories of people living courageously. Visit us at thebravefilespodcast.com to learn more about the show, find our show notes, and access full episode transcripts. And we'd love to know what you think of the show. We invite you to connect with us via Instagram and send a DM. You'll find us at The Brave Files Podcast on Instagram. Our music was created and produced in a custom collaboration with Matt Lewis from ML Creative Consulting a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients identify their unique sound and amplify their brand with custom-delivered soundtracks. Special thanks to everyone on Team Brave, from our audio engineer to our producers, associate producers, copy editors, writers, and support team. 
The show wouldn't exist without them, and we are eternally grateful. I'm your host and executive producer, Heather Vickery. Thanks for tuning in.